Welcome to the Overland Trail Guides podcast. My name is Ben. I'll be your host. This is episode 11. We're going to be talking about the Mojave Road. And so a bit about Overland Trail Guides. Overland Trail Guides features thousands of miles of curated overland routes on our website at www.overlandtrailguides.com. The best way to support us is to buy a subscription or one of our routes at the website. If that's not your thing, you can just uh, click on that link to Patreon, make a direct donation over there. Uh, you know, if you like what you're hearing, definitely hit that subscribe button as well. And without further ado, uh, our guest for the week and my friend, John Liotti. Liotti or Leoti? I think I got it wrong last time too. Uh, Liotti. <laughs> Liotti. Yep. John, how you doing, man? Man, I'm great. So great to see you again and be back on the podcast. And, uh, I know. And I just, just saw you a couple weeks ago, huh? Up in the Lost yeah, Coast. We, were, we, we ran into each other at the uh, the Lost Coast Trail. Um, ironically, John had reached out to me. I, I forget what you were asking me about. And I was like, hey, I'm going to be out there leading a group. Group Actually, uh, Overland Trail Guide's first ever trail run event. If you want to get out on the trail exploring some of these more remote places, that's definitely what we're trying to do. Um, check the event section on the website. Or if you want to lead one, shoot us an email, but let's, let's talk about the Mojave road. But before we get into that, we've had you on the show before you kind of gave, gave some background, you know how this works. Just let's do it one more time where you're from, sure. uh, your rigs. Cause you have a couple of different toys that you hit the dirt on. So let's hear it. Yeah. So I, I live in, uh, in the Santa Cruz mountains in a town called Boulder Creek. Um, and, uh, up in the redwoods. So that's glorious. And, you know, I've just got into, uh, overlanding in the last few years, I have a Toyota Tacoma that is mostly stock except for uh, skid rails and bash plates. Um, I haven't lifted it yet, so and all well, tires, of course. But we'll we'll get to that eventually. And really, uh, I'm an I'm an avid motorcycle rider, so I also ride a lot of dirt on um, on a small Yamaha and also on a big KLR 650. And then I have a Triumph Tiger too that I take out just depending on what the roads are like. So yeah, so you I'm, got I'm three bikes, man. I'm, I'm, I do. I'm envious. Can never have enough bikes. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. Never enough bikes, never enough rigs. Uh, one, one wife, three bikes. That, that, that's about the right <laughs> ratio. <laughs> so, so if you're an old school Mormon, you get like uh, 50 bikes or something like that. Oh, man, that's a reason to convert yeah. right there. <laughs> there you and, and you get to live in Utah. It sounds like that's true. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> um, cool. So, Let's, let's talk about the Mojave Road. I'm going to give a little bit of background on it, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about your experience out there. I, I know you have some interesting things to share. Um, I don't think you really shared any notes with me, so I'm going to be flying by the line here. But a little bit about the Mojave Road. We have this route featured on the website. I think one of the benefits about going to the website is we have a ton of points of interest that make it easier to kind of find the cool things out there. But it is, in its current iteration, it's about 138 miles long. Most people spend about two to three days driving the trail. I have heard of some people doing the entire thing in one day, probably a bit easier in a motorcycle and a vehicle. That's a lot to do. And I, I think most people, because they're, they're coming from California, are typically driving from the east to the west. That way you're closer to home. Uh, but you can do it the other direction as well. And it's out in the Mojave Desert, so it's going to be hot during the summer months. So typically, most people are doing it between October and May. And as far as the technical rating goes, it's mostly green. People say there's a few blue sections. Uh, there's kind of a, 
there's one hill that has some potholes. I don't know what the current condition is and it, it can cause the vehicles to articulate. And there's the Afton River, which has, a, or the Mojave River, uh, which has a couple of river crossings, but I, I believe they filled those in and we'll kind of get to that and we'll talk to it. And so the typical terrain, sandy roads, large washes, there's some whoops and uh, some rocks. And the recommended vehicle, uh, you're probably fine in a, a stock SUV or truck with four by four. Although I did see someone post up on, on a Facebook group or uh, one of the forums recently that did it in a two wheel drive sprinter. So just something to throw out there. I'm not recommending it, but it can absolutely be done. You know, this is not a crazy trail by any means. Um, I did want to read a quick excerpt from Desert USA, kind of about the, the historical background, and then we'll we'll get into this with John here. So the Mojave Road was a main wagon trail for a relatively short period of time, approximately two decades after the Civil War. Uh, when railroads came in, the railways created an easier route to the south, complete with oases on the bitter dry deserts. While it was used, the Mojave Road was a route plagued by hostile Native Americans, a lack of water, and long stretches of sand and rough hill climbs. For caravans of travelers and a handful of soldiers, it was a proving ground that brought out the best and the worst of people. So, why don't we talk about it? Um, how long ago did you do this uh, route, John? I believe we did it in early this year. So it was in okay. January, February. Yeah. And what sort, what sort of weather were you dealing with? Well, it was really interesting. So we went, um, we went east to west because I wanted to end on the California side so it was easier to get home. Mm -hmm. uh, when we started out in uh, the desert by um, Bullhead City, it was, it was okay. It was pleasant. It was 40s in the night and, you know, 50s, 60s in the daytime. However, you know, as the road progressed, we got up uh, into the high mesa there. Um, where the Joshua trees are, and yeah. it got cold. It was, it was. I was sort of ready for it, but there was others in the party that weren't. Um, it probably was. I didn't have a thermometer, but it probably was in the twenties at night. Um, okay. So it got it got really chilly at night, uh, more than more than I expected. And then uh, the last night when we uh, when we ended up on the kind of the California Nevada desert side, uh, it got beautiful. It was like nice. almost perfect. So. I was surprised about the varying kind of weather conditions there that I didn't, I didn't really expect. Like, luckily I was prepared, so it wasn't that big a deal, but yeah, it was, a, it was, it was a trip. Yeah. I think that's a great thing to call out about the desert. Like people from SoCal, uh, people that visit the Mojave desert, um, they're familiar with this, but people that may be traveling from out of state or even mm -hmm. Northern California, if you're going to the desert for the first time, even in wintertime, you can expect kind of like these wide swings in temperature where it'll be relatively nice during the day. Yep. And you could be down into the teens or even single digits if you're at higher elevation. So I think that's a yeah. really good thing to call out. Yeah, I told our, we had two rigs going and I told the folks in the other rig, I'm like, look, you better be prepared for some cold weather. And they're like, nah, we're good. We're good. You know, we've been checking the weathers and I'm like, oh, you better be prepared. Well, they weren't. And, and they actually bailed on the uh, after that night they couldn't they couldn't take it so so where where'd they bail to you know about halfway there's a there's a paved road that you cross yeah um, where you can head out to to las vegas and uh they went to the casino they went to <laughs> vegas okay there so, you go yeah you know <laughs> i guess we got to do it that's the way to do it 
Yeah. And I guess the casinos were open. I mean, I, we were so used to being, you know, up in Northern California, everything being pretty conservative as far right. as coronavirus and being closed. That's just kind of a, obviously it's changing now, but it, it's, it's hard to wrap my head around in that just because we were so hunkered down. Well, they are more than happy to take your money. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> right. Yeah. They'll be open in the middle of a war or a nuclear strike. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. That's the truth. Um, so you started at, you started in the east and the Nevada side and you worked your way west and there's quite there's quite a few things to see on this route um, mm -hmm. but I, I'd love to kind of get your background on what you did for preparing for this what sort of research you did what your expectations were and, and kind of like what that experience was on day one well I went to this fabulous website called Overland Trail Guides that I that I read the all the all the oh. way to go so so we did that we obviously we downloaded onto gaia which is what i use uh when i'm on yep. the trail um and then uh you know i looked at some other websites and did some history uh, uh of the place and sort of looked at a lot of videos on youtube to see what we were in for and i uh, felt like we were pretty prepared i mean to your point it's not it's not a hard road you know the first section coming out of arizona ha is is a little a little steep but not like crazy like i had it in four high but i probably couldn't did it in four low but it still was, you know, rather uphill. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, uh, and then there's one other, well, the, the one other section where there's, there's two ways you can go. You can do a hard articulated way, or you can go through a bypass. So I, because I was who I was with, I, I, I did the bypass. I didn't want to get stuck out there. Um, and then, like you said, the water crossing, there was only one water crossing uh, when I went. So, and that was, that was near the end. And that was, it was fine because you're right. They did fill in them with gravel, but I can see where if you're in a, like an outback or a, um, you know, a smaller SUV, you might have some trouble crossing that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that's where having that four wheel drive definitely mm -hmm. comes into play just because yep. usually they have higher clearance. Um, so night, how many, how many days did you spend on the trail? Did you do it in two days or three days? So what we did is we, we drove out to, uh, to the desert outside of Bullhead city There's an old, um, army base out there that's that's gone now um, and we just we uh, we dry camped out there um, for the first and we woke up in the morning connected with our uh, our other rig and then started started a bullhead um, and then we did uh, two nights after that so three nights total uh, two nights uh, on the trail two days so you you essentially did two days of traveling so more or less like 78 yeah. 70 miles a day I think if I would have tried to drive it obviously in the day and, and start the trail immediately we would have had to do another night on the trail so i guess you could do it either way but um it was fairly convenient to you know because for us it was what a 10 12 hour drive to get out there so it was better just to, to camp out and start the day fresh in the morning um and head out on the on the road yeah definitely yeah. and um I'm, I'm looking at the map here and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I was going to ask you. Did you stop along any of the, uh, the points of interest, like the I Mojave did. bus, the Fort, Fort Paiute or any of those things? We stopped at Fort Paiute. We stopped at the, uh, the penny tree. Um, yep. We stopped at the gnomes for sure. They're still uh, there. Okay. Yep. They're still there. Uh, there's a couple ancient corrals and a couple spots. I think, uh, there that we stopped there and we stopped at, uh, Joshua tree. We spent a lot of time. We camped there. Um, uh, cool. Yeah, we did everything. I, you know, funny is, is I couldn't find the bus. You you know, find we couldn't the bus. I don't know why. I, maybe it's not there. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I, we looked all over based on your map, and I, I could not find the bus. Okay. Um, I might. I just might have been an idiot, but I, you know. And then the gnomes, uh, the frog shrine, and frog yeah. shrine, and the gnomes are the same thing, right? Aren't they yeah, together? Yeah. 
Yeah. And I thought they were going to remove that, but I guess they haven't. That was there yet. Yeah. I got okay. pictures there. So. All right, cool. Yeah. And then so Fort Paiute's kind of at the beginning of it. And I, right. I believe that I think it was established 1859. Mm -hmm. I had written some notes here, but I don't have them pulled up in front of me. Right. And I believe, again, you know, they were hostile Native Americans before they had the railroads come in. Right. John's walking around here in the backyard. Um, trying to get some light. <laughs> yeah. I believe that fort was established to kind of protect one of the few water sources that was out in the desert. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, that, uh, that's how I remember it. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was a pretty, if I remember, if, if we're talking about the same place, that was a pretty developed area. Um, there was a couple buildings. And, uh, you know, there was a, you know, obviously the state has been involved in that spot. Um, of course. That, I think that's the right spot. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like right when you get across the border over there, right, the preserve, right. pre preserve, it's over there. Yeah. And, um, you know, what's interesting about the Mojave Road, I was doing a little bit of research in advance of this just to kind of refresh my memory on the background. You have so many of these overland routes. And when I'm talking about overland routes, I'm, I'm talking about the early settlers and pioneers mm -hmm. that were coming from the east and moving into California, Nevada, Arizona, Oregon, all that stuff. A lot of them have become highways, mm -hmm. roads. This is one of the few just because the route that they chose actually was not the most ideal. It's kind of remained in its original state, just like mm -hmm. it was 200 years ago or even 10,000 years ago, which yeah. I, I think is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty untouched. I mean, there are some, there's a couple of campgrounds out there. Um, yep. Where, you know, we kind of poked around and saw this. So there's sort of a little bit of civilization out sort of halfway. Other than that, yeah, it's just the same old route as it was. You know, a top tip, I think, is uh, you, there's a couple, there's a spot on, I think it's is I-15, where you can drop off and jump on old uh, Route 66. So we did that for a few miles, oh. and there's a few old buildings there. That's kind of fun to see on the way out there. Yeah, that's a good tip. Yeah. Um, and that's, and which end is that on? That's on, it's it's kind of in the middle, because okay. what you do is you go around, then back up, and then come back, so... It's, uh, it. it's kind of on the other side of the army base that with 10, with 10,000 palms, is it? Um, yeah. Whatever the big army base you pass on 15 sort of between Vegas and yeah, out, sorry, on the other side of Vegas is, uh, is where 66 was. Got it. Cool. Cool. Um, and then did you have any issues and, you know, maybe this is not an issue anymore because so many people are out on the trail and you can probably see where the majority of tire tracks are going but did you have any issues at all kind of like staying on mojave road just because there are so many kind of like offshoots and spurs and and trails that kind of cross cross the main trail i i didn't have any issues mainly a couple of reasons so you know the gaia gpx files that you you provide are very helpful so i you know obviously you can just stand up via that but it seemed very obvious to me where the trail was. Um, now I'm not like, this isn't my first rodeo. So um, I think a newbie might get a little nervous, but I, it seemed pretty obvious. And, and I will say, you know, during that time, I was surprised by how little people were out there. I mean, I think we passed really? a couple, a couple of rigs. Uh, I think we passed a motorcycle and that was it, man. We were pretty much on our own the whole time. Were you out there during the week or on a weekend? Uh, late week weekend. So wow. it was like, yeah, Thursday to Sunday. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive, especially it for was. that time of year. Yeah, it was. Hey, hey I'll take it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, maybe that that cold weather at night scared them away. Who knows? I know there's like how people think uh, 40s are cold. <laughs> um, did you by chance make it up to the New York mountains? So the New York mountains are kind of like right in the middle and they're to the north, but they have some kind of like really awesome. I think it's granite kind of has that big Joshua tree type of boulders, similar to like what you would see up in Alabama Hills too. Mm -hmm. uh, no, we pretty much just stayed on the, uh, stayed on the trail mainly because um, the other rig that was with me was, was some novices. And um, then when they left, it was just my wife and I, and I don't try to, you know, take too many chances. So I tend to just stay on the trail. <laughs> so, hey, yeah, I think yeah. I, we were with, you know, a few rigs, like, you know, when, when we went out, I would, I would absolutely do that. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good uh, venture over there. I know our buddy, Daniel always kind of raves about the New York mountains and how rad they are. So um, oh, he's a know, stud. Be, he's a stud. <laughs> might be something to check out next time you go over there. Yeah, And, and He's a great guy to have in your uh, your caravan, your entourage, because uh, you know if something breaks down, he'll figure it out. Like what happened to me? Yeah, well, that remember was, that? We don't need to get into that again. I think we covered that in the Copa <laughs> Pioneer Trail one, but yeah, yeah. we yeah 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 a weird one, basically um, a malfunctioned tail light or a tail light that went out, like what caused your ABS to go out, basically. Yeah, and the Is whole truck just stopped. Yeah. yeah. So it's a good, uh, good top tip for anybody who rides a Tacoma. Make sure that you have a, if something like that happens, check your taillights because it's simple, but it'll, it'll, it'll incapacitate the whole truck. Yeah. Just pull the bulb out. You didn't have exactly. that issue this time though, right? Not at all. Nope. Thankfully. Any, any issues on the trail or was it pretty much smooth sailing? It was smooth sailing. I didn't, you know, we didn't get stuck. We didn't get, you know, there wasn't, yeah, it was fine. I mean, that trail is, the, the nice thing about it is, is it's, it's easy, uh, but it's fun. You know, it's yeah. not boring. And uh, sometimes easy trails can get a little bit like, oh, hum. But this is, uh, you know, the scenery is phenomenal and, and it's very varying, you know. So you're, you're in a high desert, you're on, you know, up in the Joshua trees. So I, that didn't bother me that it was so easy. I mean, everybody, well, <laughs> nobody should take that, but everybody should. <laughs> we definitely don't want it to become like UCL Beach, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Well, that's another one. Um, it is. And then where did you camp on night one? So night one, uh, we made it to the Joshua Trees. Um, okay. And there's there's an old settlement there that we camped right next to. Um, and uh, and we got you know we walked around the buildings and such. And I don't know exactly what they were, but but they were very old. They were they were stone buildings. And uh, we camped there that night. Beautiful beautiful area. Starlight. You know, cold but just gorgeous. Um, and then uh, the second night, uh, we camped again up. Um, what we did was we, uh, when it dropped down on, on the sort of low desert side, um, we tucked, we, we did get off the trail there and we tucked ourselves up sort of in the middle of a, like a little canyon in the mountain range. And uh, so we were protected on three sides. Uh, nice. and, uh, and it was, it was beautiful and the, uh, it was a full moon. So the full moon rose above the wow. desert, which was incredible. So, wow. That was just a, it was a glorious night. So, yeah. 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 I'm trying to think when we were out in Kofa, did we have a moon out or was it a, I don't remember a moon there. Yeah. I don't think it was. Yeah. I mean, that that's kind of a double-edged sword. Like the moon is always awesome in the desert, especially at night, but, but then, but then you lose. Stuff, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, you know, it's a trade-off. It is what it is. Um, yep. 
And I think one of the great things about um, finding these little canyons and stuff, like, man, those desert winds. Did I, did I tell you about my experience at our last night at Anza Borrego? No. <sighs> so probably not the smartest move, but it was <laughs> uh, it was the end of a long day. And, you know, it was right there. And we're trying to figure out what was for camp. We were at the south end of Anza Borrego, getting mm -hmm. down towards the uh, the Mexican border. And in, in an area called uh, Piedras, Piedras Grande, so large stones or large rocks, and has these mm -hmm. really big boulders that are that are really cool and beautiful. Right. Well, it's also upslope of a wind farm. Ooh. Right. Bad yeah. choice. Yeah. So, um, you know, we tried to get up <laughs> against. We did get up against the mountains, and we thought we were going to have some shelter. Yep. And I've been trapped in some pretty good windstorms. They always seem to be in the desert. And that was definitely the worst one Yeah, I've been trapped in. And, you know, even, even our buddy Joey, who was sleeping inside of his forerunner, he's like, yeah, I woke up at three in the morning from one of these big gusts that I thought somebody was shaking the car. And I was like, yeah, yeah it's just wind. But um, yeah, like yep. finding those spots, like you said, mm -hmm. those are, those are key into the desert too. I think uh, if, if you're, like me sleeping in a tent or a roof tent or whatever. I know you're sleeping yeah. in a tent too mm -hmm. uh, to get a good night's sleep is to get some shelter. Yeah. That's uh, and that, you know, there's been a few times where I've woken up, especially when we're using the shift pod. Um, you know, those things are pretty good against the wind, but you know, one night I think we were in somewhere in the Sacramento Valley in the, and I didn't stake everything down cause it was still. And then in the middle of the night, it just pushed the whole tent in. And uh, oh, it's man. uh, I, you know, I could deal with cold, but wind, boy, I do not like wind. It's, so. it's because like it keeps you up at night if you're in a tent it's incredibly difficult to cook when it's windy right yeah, i know you, when it's windy it's like i'm i'm eating i'm not cooking i'm just getting campfire you know yeah, campfires exactly. are dangerous then yeah so. yep and or you know the big gust comes in and then you got to clean stuff up right, right. it just kind of comes out of the blue so i'm totally with you on that did you have any wind issues at all on this particular trip when wind was no problem thankfully uh, you oh, know, I was wow. always prepared, especially when I got the second night when we got on on the other side, the low side. I figured that's why I parked up in that little canyon because I figured that, you know, because sometimes in the desert, it just changes. And at nighttime, all of a sudden, it's a whole different animal. So uh, we were ready and I had everything staked down, but it really wasn't a problem. So I'd rather be prepared than not prepared. So just cold, just in the 20s and that's it, huh? Just that one night, though. The second night was, was again, beautiful. It probably was in the in the 40s, maybe, you know in the mid forties at night. And I, I could deal with that all day long. That's, that's almost perfect. And what was your elevation on night one compared to night two? Did that, did, was that part of it or do you think yeah, it, it was, was just, uh, it was, it was about uh five, 6,000 feet versus one, 2000 feet. Ah, okay. So definitely, yeah. definitely big a difference. big deal there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. Um, Let's talk a little. I know you talked about the Joshua trees, some of the scenery. Why don't you kind of walk through what that looked like on day one? Yep. How that changed in day two and, and so on. Yeah. So day one, uh, you start out, you know, at Bullhead City, Colorado River. Um, yeah. So pretty, pretty low elevation. And then you start climbing almost immediately if you're going east to west. Um, so there was probably about four hours of climbing because you're getting up to that plateau. Yep. And, uh, and that's some of those roads are a little, um, they're a little tight. So if anybody is coming the other way, which did happen to us, um, it's a little, you know, it could be a little, little hairy, but, but nothing too major. Um, once you get up to the top, it's interesting because then the topography started changing 
and you know one of the places i would love to camp some other time is there's a there's a campground there with these big rocks you know it almost looks like you know topanga canyon area it kind of looks like that mm-hmm. um and there's a there's some group campsites out there that are semi-developed so that's that's really a great place for a group to stop um because it's again it's protected and it's beautiful and it's and it's um it's set up for groups so um and do you know what area stop- that is like where that that's about for people listening to the podcast uh for us it was probably about five hours into the first day i know that doesn't help you too much but my guess is it probably would be 30 or 40 miles in okay was it was it before or after the penny cantry it was before before okay yeah. i should i should pull up a map here to see um but it uh that's a, that's just a beautiful area. So that's, that's a, t- that's a tip for somebody. Cause I don't know the timing wise. You know, the thing about that road was, um, you know, there's been times, I mean, even when we were out in, um, in Kofa, you know, we were, we were jamming at some points just kind of, cause we had a long way to go and trying to make time up. You don't need to do that on Mojave road. I mean, it's only, you know, especially if you allow a couple of nights, you know, you're, it's only 130 miles. So you can mm-hmm. take your time, um, take it slow. And, and, uh, it's actually a phenomenal first time overlander road for somebody, uh, just to get your feet wet. So, yeah. Um, and then from there, you know, you kind of go by the penny tree and, and some of the old corrals that are out there and, uh, some of the old settlements that you can kind of walk up to and see, there's, there's, again, there's that one section where it's, it was developed. Uh, must've been the area you're talking about with the water source. Um, and you can get up and see some of the old, the old sites there. And then we ended the day at the Joshua tree. So all in all, it probably was about a, about a six, seven hour day. Um, nice. And that's about, you know, relatively halfway uh, before you, uh, before you move on. So that, uh, that's really doable for a lot of folks. And it's, it's just, it's great. Yeah. Cool. So night one, you sleep up by the Joshua tree yep. forest at higher elevation. And then night yep. two, you kind of make it over through the mountains or, yep. you know, kind of these basin and range of mountains that you have in the desert and you start uh, descending right? and working your way towards the Mojave river and, and Afton crossing and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. We stopped about, so the second camp night was, I guess uh, around t- probably 25 miles from the Mojave river. So it was okay. on the other, other side of that long kind of, cause what happens if you drop in and you see the road just going across this long desert plain um, and uh and we stopped on the other side of that desert plain where the mountains, you know, because what you do is you come up and then you, you kind of go to the south, uh, southwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of skirt around that mountain range and then go through the Mojave River and then you're out. So the second night when we stopped, um, we were out of it probably by, by two. Um, so it wasn't that, that last day, that day three wasn't, wasn't very long because we just kind of jammed home from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And I did want to talk about, so you couldn't find the Mojave bus. You found the uh-uh. Pantry, uh, Soda Lake. Was that dry when you crossed it? Do you have any it was. issues? It was completely that? dry. No, that was not a problem at all. And did you go out to the Traveler's Monument and drop off your rock or anything like that? We did. We 100% did. You yeah. did. Yep. You found, did you find the biggest, isn't it? You're supposed to find the biggest one that you can carry, carry it out there and drop it off. Is that what it was? Yeah, I didn't get that technical. I just brought a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's I think that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. So, yeah. like, this is a tradition. The first time you go to Mojave Road, you're you're supposed to find a rock, 
carry it across Soda Lake, which is essentially a, a dried lake bed, or usually it is after rain, it will get, it will get muddy. Uh, you don't want to cross it when it, when it gets muddy, unless you want to get stuck. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the tradition there. And was there, was there an American flag or a California flag? It used to be a California flag, but I keep seeing American flags pop. Up. I remember it being an American flag out there when I saw it. Okay. I mean, I'm all for America, but I'm a Californian. I got some California <laughs> pride. I think we need yeah. to get that, uh, that, yeah, I that agree. bear, bear flag revolt back over there. <laughs> rightful owners. Right. Yep. Um, lava tubes. Did you make it over to those? No, we didn't get up into the lava tubes. I, I wanted to, uh, you know, the wife wasn't up for any, any real hiking. So on that day, so she was getting tired. So we decided to pass on the lava tubes. So I've seen those kinds of things before, but if I was out again, I probably would try to get back up to there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know there's some really cool shots on, um, of course, Instagram, right? They're, they're always yeah. on there, but, uh, there's the way that light comes through kind of at that mm -hmm. angle and people yep. will sit down there kind of like they're being, uh, they're being baptized by uh, the sun's light or something like that. So it is, it is pretty cool. Now, part of it is the way that I approach these things. Cause I, I don't, I'm not somebody that wants to jam in everything on every trip. So, cause I'm going to go back. I'm definitely going to go back. So yeah. I wanted to leave the lava tubes and some other times when I felt a little bit like I could sit and enjoy it and take some time yeah. and not feel any rushed at all. So I, I wasn't tripping about not catching everything. Cause I'll, I'll be back for sure. Yeah. Well, let me, let me know when you go. I'd love to join you. Dude, uh, let's roll. Get Daniel to take us over to the New York mountains. Check that yep. area out. Pictures yep. look really, really awesome over there. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then night two, you kind of stayed before you got over to the Mojave river and, mm -hmm. um, how, how was that? How was kind of the West side once you get through the pass and I forget what the pass is up there. Um, is that different or is that similar than, than what you experienced on day one? I know you went through the Joshua trees, which tend to be at a little bit higher elevation. Yeah. And so now you're, you're, you're dropping, you know, you're, you're not necessarily in the mountains. I think I was looking at Google maps right now and it, it tops out around 5,000 feet and then it kind of right. starts sloping down. But like, what is that scenery like as you make your way through the mountains and you start working your way towards, um, towards the yeah. uh, west end of the route? I mean, it's very, uh, very typical desert at that point. Um, you know, if you've ever driven, you know, I-15 up to Vegas, I mean, you see a lot of that similar stuff. Now you're obviously up close and personal to it. Um, there is a section near the end um, where there's, uh, where there's kind of some bluffs and some trails that you can take up and that gets you sort of above the trail and the look around. We did that on the second day just to sort of see some things, but the topography changes from, kind of Colorado Mount, Colorado River kind of area up until a much more rockier, higher elevation terrain back down to low desert, you know, sandy kind of terrain. And, uh, okay. but you know, I'm, I love the desert. So for me, it's, it's just absolutely gorgeous to be out there in, in any of the trains. But I mean, it's not, um, I mean, Kofa was definitely more varied, uh, than, than this was, um, uh, because the variations come in more sections here than it's like constant. Um, mm -hmm. so, um, but it, uh, nonetheless, it still is, uh, there's enough sort of variety to keep your, keep your interest and keep you excited. We saw, uh, you know, we saw some coyotes and we saw, you know, there was some, some wildlife out there you can catch too, which was fun to see. Cool. And then, so your third day, you essentially, the third day, 
you get in outside of the preserve and you're working towards uh, the Mojave River, Afton Crossing and, and all that yep. stuff, right? Yeah, third day yeah. we, we, you know, we got off the trail a little bit just to do some exploring on some side trails uh, the third day. And then uh, and then came across and then and crossed over in the, uh, the river. It's a little funny because I, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I had to wait a while. I wanted to wait to see somebody else go through it. And when you get to the other side, there's, there are some more developed campgrounds and such. So it got busier as we got closer to the, to the river. Um, so there were some side-by-sides and, and, and more stuff out there. So, uh, but the river's a trip, you know, cause you go under that trellis and it's there. Um, and you just, you know, if, if I was totally by myself, I almost would want to go out there and walk through it just to see what, how deep it was. Um, but, uh, but when I saw somebody go through, it was only, you know, up to, you know, mid tire. So it wasn't that big a deal. Wow, I, it, was, it was mid tire when you crossed. Well, remember we've had a really dry winter, so we did, um, but they also, um, so I believe what happened out there. Yeah. They filled it in with gravel cause they were doing yeah. work out there. Right. Yeah. I was, yeah, they still are. And I was really concerned, you know, cause I, I don't have a lifted truck. So, um, I was concerned about that spot, but really ideally it was fine. But I, you know, if we have a wet winter, I, I imagine it'd be a little hairier. Yeah, for sure. Um, what I understand is that that gravel that they dumped in there really, really made a major difference. You look at yeah. the video and uh, pictures just like last year prior to them dumping in it. And mm -hmm. there would be videos where you, you'd occasionally see the water going over the hood on people's vehicles. Yeah, I saw you that. Know? That scared and, me a little bit. Daniel told me, uh, Daniel's like the godfather of all things overland. So he, uh, you know, he assured me that it was going to be okay. And he was, he was right. So. <laughs> you probably have more confidence if he was there, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he'll, you know, he's got that old jacked up truck and he can get you out of stuff. For sure. it, was, it was fine. You know, I carry, you know, we should talk a little bit about gear, but I, you know, I, I definitely carry recovery gear with me. Yeah. Um, so I've got straps and I don't, I don't have a, a winch yet, but um, I do have a come along with me um, in case, in case something happens. So I, you know, I'm pretty in, in shovels, obviously. So I, you know, I'm, I'm able, I'm I can get myself out of stuff if I need to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and but I, I will think, say um, there's one spot. So when we were camping that, that last night, when we were trying to get back into the cabins. It did get steep. So, you know, in the coma, you got crawl control. So, it, so that's the first time I've had to actually engage crawl control to get up to where I wanted to go. Um, so I think, you know, that kind of stuff would make, would take a capable vehicle to get up in some of those kind of remotest areas. Yeah. I'm kind of over crawl control. We, we hit a, a, a crazy sandy steep section in Anza Borrego. <laughs> Didn't work for like, you? No, no, I needed, I needed, and I don't have a rear locker right now. I have a center locking oh. diff. I really needed our buddy yeah. was triple locked in his Rubicon, just threw on his front and his rear locker. Didn't even have to gas it and just like went right up it. And then like everybody else, like Daniel and I, neither of us have rear lockers. We just had to, to basically floor it and, and use yeah. brute force to get to the top of it. And, Yep. He's over there just making it look like cake. <laughs> so well, that's that's my take on that. Um, mm -hmm. So you cross the river, mm -hmm. no issues, no no water in the vehicle, right? I know a couple Zero. people. I mean, you have you've got a newer rig. I think that's another thing for people to be aware of. Um, I do have one seal in my car. I'm wondering how it would hold up if I went mm -hmm. down there now. <laughs> right because i can i can tell the seal needs to be repaired 
uh, just something to be mindful of. If you are rolling in an older vehicle, if you're like in a, an mm -hmm. old beat up Land Cruiser, Forerunner, uh, the old Toyota pickups, Land Rover, whatever you're in, and it may not be an issue just because the water levels are pretty low right now. Yeah. But when that water level was 30 to 36 inches deep um, and you don't have good seals, it might, you might not get a whole lot in there, but you'll get some of that swamp water in there. And that's not yeah. a, it's not that crystal clear water we have up in far Northern California. <laughs> Certainly right? not. Certainly not. Yeah. 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 You get that desert rat piss runoff, whatever's out in the desert. It's true. So I, I'd love to kind of hear like, what were your favorite things that you experienced along the travel trail, what you saw, whether it's, um, trail obstacles or the history, like what, what kind of resonated with you on this trail? So I was intrigued by the history for sure. Um, because like you said, I mean, it was an indigenous people's route and then it was a settler's route. So there was something special about being on that route and just tracing the footsteps of our, you know, our forebearers. Um, you know, just to, to imagine what it would be like going across that in a wagon or on foot. Um, and, uh, and how difficult that must've been for folks to, uh, to, to cross that. So, so that was just absolutely intriguing. I, I absolutely love the Joshua Tree Forest. Um, it's something magical about that, especially at night, moonrise. You know, it's just a, it's a really kind of a sacred, neat place to be in. So I, I super enjoyed that. And that last, again, that last night tucked away in those hills, um, watching the moonrise over the mountains was glorious. I mean, it just was, it was glorious. So, um, you know, the, the kitschy stuff was fun too, for sure. You know, the penny tree mm -hmm. and, and all that. I um, mean, I enjoy, I certainly enjoy that in the, in the mailbox yeah. um, in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, that, that's super fun to see, but really for me, it's more about the spiritual experience of being out in the desert and enjoying and, you know, tracing footsteps. And, you know, it's just, you got a sense sometimes for me, you get a sense that you're traveling with, you know, a lot of friendly ghosts out there who had, mm -hmm. um, who had gone before us. So, um, so I super, super enjoyed that. Um, you know, it's overlanding. Everything's great. Even the hard stuff's good. You know, it's just yeah. it's part of the, part of the, it's part of the journey, but it's such an iconic route that I think everybody should do at least once. Um, because it is sort of the, it's like the mother route <laughs> really in some ways. For sure. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. It's, it's, it's totally an iconic route. Yeah. If you live in, uh, in California or the American Southwest, I think it's one of those routes that everybody has to do at least once. Yeah. And if I was coming from back East, you know, I would do that. Plus, you know, pick up, um, you know, Death Valley for sure. Cause it's right there. Death Valley. Absolutely. You know, you could string together if you wanted to take a couple of weeks, you could string together some really phenomenal routes through there and, uh, and really, you know, experience everything that the Southwest has to offer. Are you, are you at the train station? I am <laughs> Central Valley, man has trains going everywhere. <laughs> Uh, my kid, uh, I don't know, gosh, he's six and he must've stumbled upon it on YouTube. Siren head. Have you heard of siren head? No, my son's 25. So I'm, uh, I'm beyond, some, I'm beyond the siren well, head years. <laughs> no, no, it's not six year old type of stuff. It's some oh, okay. like, uh, some like horror thing. It's this giant oh. being that has the siren head and he's like, dad, I want to watch siren head. And you know, oh, he'll, he'll. He'll blare out stuff like that. And then I realized like this thing eats people. I'm like, yeah, you're not watching this. And so I just heard, I heard those sirens and it reminded me of Siren Head. That's, all, that's all Thomas needs in the middle of the night to be thinking about Siren Head. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah. It has teeth inside of the, in, inside of the bullhorns that eat people too. So not, not wow. what a six year old needs to watch. I don't need that either in my life. <laughs> so funny enough, I was looking at the map here and, and speaking of kind of like kitschy stuff, there's something called the Mojave megaphone and more siren head type stuff. And it looks like it's a good 20 miles off the trail, but it's this like giant double-sided like air horn or bullhorn or art installation sure. that somebody put at the top of these two rocks. Um, yeah, man, there's a lot of weird stuff in the desert. I'll tell you that a lot of uh, interesting people and, and weird stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's where, uh, that's where Charlie, Charlie Manson was. So it's, an, it's, it's a little, you know, the desert is, I don't know. It's, it's a place where stuff gets forgotten and lost. So, um, you know, thankfully I wasn't nervous at all, but you know, it's, uh, I, I can see where it could get really intimidating out there if you're all by yourself. So, yeah, well, I think, um, Mojave road, you don't really need to need to worry about that unless no. you're in the middle of a cold snap where it gets super duper cold. Cause there's, there's, even though you didn't pass a lot of people, there's still people out there traveling the trail. Yes, absolutely. And then, so you went from the east to the west. Did anybody pass you the other direction by chance, or was everybody kind of going the same way? I had at the very beginning. We were coming out of um, Bullhead City. There was we passed a group, uh, a couple, three rigs. Um, oh. And other than that, that was all we saw basically for the whole time. Um, wow. Yeah, I was I was a little surprised because I I figured there'd be more people there. I guess we just caught it at the right at the right weekend. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's that's awesome. If you can go out into the SoCal desert and not get stuck in a trail traffic jam. Yeah, there was rad. nothing like that. Nothing like that at all. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's sweet. Um, I did kind of want to talk about the Mojave River a little bit more before. You know, I think we're we're getting close to time here, just because we've we've moved through this entire route. It's certainly not nearly as expansive as death Valley where you could go probably explore like 800 miles. This is only 140 miles. Um, But you have that, that train trellis that you talked about, which I believe is still an active railway and the train still comes through there. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Did you get the, uh, did you get the Instagram photo there that everybody loves to take park your leg up under there and then take the picture and, I did take some pictures around there. Yes. I mean, you sort of got to do that when you're there. Yeah, you, for you sure. You got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then one, one thing I do want to call out in relation to that river crossing there is even though it's not very deep now, uh, when it was deeper and, and it, it probably will end up there in some matter of years again, as those, uh, as that gravel kind of sinks into the mud and everything, mm-hmm. there is a, um, there is an escape route as people call it. Right. So before you get to, before you get to the river, I believe you can head up to the interstate and head north, right? Yeah, there's a spot. But I did read online that there was some of those trails were closed. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it was a COVID issue. But um, so the road, the, the one that goes up to what is ZZYZX, yeah. where that road is. So you can go up that way or you can go around sort of through the river. And everything I read online said that was closed. So I didn't even attempt going the other way. I, I didn't really want to either, but. Um, so the, so, yeah, so the road, the road got COVID. What happened here? I don't understand. I suspect that they were trying to limit, <laughs> limit people going out there, but I don't, yeah. you know how it's gotten weird during COVID. Yeah. 
yeah, we're gonna we're closing. gonna shut down the side road, but we're gonna yeah. keep the main road open where everybody goes. Okay, that that makes no sense to me whatsoever. But um, has anything uh, made sense least? during COVID? <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get in the pre-pandemic mindset, and it's mm -hmm. harder than it's harder than you think it would be, right? Like yeah. I'm not wearing the I'm vaccinated and I'm not wearing the face mask outside and stuff. Obviously right. here in Northern California, they still want us wearing it inside, which is fine. Um, but yeah, man, it's weird, you yeah. know, just to like jump straight back into normal life. I certainly look forward to it, but uh, whew, it was a long year. Yep. Yeah. Thank God it for overlanding and these, and these so trips though, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, I did so much overlanding this year. It was in between that and motorcycle in the desert. It was, uh, I spent more time outdoors, I think, than I ever have. So that was, it wasn't a horrible year for me. I kind of did everything I normally do because most of the stuff I do is away from people anyway. So, so it's hey. good. Um, wow. But hey, I, I do want to say a little bit about like, you know, I, I'm, I'm into this for a couple of years now. Um, and, you know, and I, we don't need to go too far into this, but I, I just want to say, you know, it's interesting to see the gear evolution that I've had. Um, every trip, I'm finding ways to trim down my stuff. Um, if you remember that first trip we went on, I was packed um, <laughs> uh, because we didn't know what to expect. So, but um, yeah. So know, John, John pulls up. There's there's a forklift. It has one of those pods, right? You know, one of those like eight by <laughs> yeah. eight things that loads it on the back of a Tacoma. Yep. He's got a couch in the back. Um, no, but you did have a lot of stuff. <laughs> I had a lot of stuff. I had way too much, but I, you know, I, it's, it's interesting to see the evolution of gear um, and finding the way to make the gear work for me um, was, has been a really important part of sort of the, the, um, you know, the, the transition to this. So, you know, this is my, I'm on my third tent. Um, I finally sort of found at least for the next season, what I'm, what I'm going to be using, which is the gazelle. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a rooftop tent guy, mainly because I haul motorcycles and a bunch of stuff in my truck all the time. So and I don't want to be able to pull that off every time I want to throw a bike in the back. So, so I don't sure. think I'm going to go that direction, but, um, you know, but the gazelle tent and I've been, you know, upgrading, you know, my cooking issues and, and organizing things into bins. I mean, I'm at a point now where I can just pretty much be packed and ready to go in half an hour, um, really yeah. at any time. And, uh, you know, all that's been really important. So I just, you know, I would say get out there try stuff. Don't try to anticipate everything you're going to need on the front end, figure out what works for you and then start, uh, start building from there. And that's, that's yeah. kind of worked for me. Yeah. And I think we're definitely going to have some podcast episodes um, just because so many people have gotten to overlanding outdoor recreation, camping, whatever you want to call it. Um, definitely want to talk about some of the etiquette there. We're not going to do that right now. Yeah. Just because yeah. there's, there's a lot of stuff that is not so obvious and then some stuff that uh for people that have been recreating outdoors for you know a good portion of their life like myself um that we're kind of taught certain things that yeah. aren't necessarily taught to other people so i think it's definitely important to, to uh well and for, and for me too I, I i love having my wife with me when i can um and she's pretty rugged but there are some things she won't do she will not poop in a hole um <laughs> you know so we, we we bought one of those portable little toilets, you know, with the waters in there, you can flush it um, yeah. just because that makes her happy. And, you know, there's a little, hey. a little pop-up thing. So it's just those kinds of things are really, uh, really important, but you got to select it carefully. And the other thing is you can just spend so much money on gear and uh, you, can go, you can bankrupt yourself on gear. So 
I don't know. It's yeah. been an interesting transition as I've sort of gotten deeper and deeper into the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's funny. I used to think of when I used to go out in my twenties and go camping, like I would be packed, I would be packed in 20 minutes with one tenth yeah. of the gear. Yeah. And, uh, it was good to go. You know, I wasn't yep. necessarily prepared for if anything went wrong and luckily nothing did, but, um, yeah, man, I, I definitely look at like how much stuff and most of my stuff is in the truck and packed already. Right. Um, how much stuff I have these days compared to what I had before, mm -hmm. <laughs> like before it was like, grab some jeans, shorts, couple of shirts, got to get the beer for sure. Like the beer yep. in the cooler is the most important thing. Yep. And, um, some basic food and I'm, I'm rolling out, right. Going to go see the homies and that's it. Yep. And then today yep. it's like, yeah, the propane, well, every, you know, just so oh, much yeah. stuff. Well, I'm down now to where I can fit everything I need in the back of my truck with a tornado cover on. That's nice. So it's kind of perfect because then everything, it helps yeah. me with dust, you know, especially on yeah. Mojave road is dusty. I mean, and dust yeah. will get everywhere. So as much as you can sort of kind of protect against that, the better, the better cleaning it is when you get home. So. Oh yeah. I, I got a, I got a, a land cruiser full of dust right now. <laughs> I, was dri I was driving out in a, on a dried lake bed and that's probably the worst place to drive for dust. Um, so yeah, let's, we've kind of digressed from uh, the Mojave road here, but that's totally fine. You know, always yep. happy to kind of shoot the, whatever you want to say there. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, what were the what were the highlights for you? And then you know, I'd kind of love to get into other than this being an iconic iconic overland route. Um, we can talk about why why somebody should consider it after that. Yeah, so I mentioned most of the highlights already. I think uh, um, you know the the highlights of it were were good enough to where I could go back multiple times and still feel like uh, it was new. So wow, it it is it is iconic, and I and I will absolutely do it again. Now I will say. If you're looking for a little more of a you know rock crawling kind of experience, this is this is not it. Um, yeah. You know, this is much more of a driving camp kind of thing. So there's no there's nothing super technical. There's nothing other than the river. You know, there's really nothing. I think I got nervous about during the whole time. Um, on which the was, main on the main route. On you know, the main I route. Know, and, I know there's some people that know some of the trails out there. Um, I I don't know any of those trails really any well, but I have heard there's some technical stuff. I'm sure um, there is, but I wasn't, moments. you know, with, uh, cause the second night we were by ourselves. So I wasn't trying to get ourselves in trouble out there by, you know, just me and Melissa. Um, but, um, but I would love to find some of those more technical stuff in the future, but you know, it's it just as it is the way you've laid out the route, it's, it's exciting enough. And it's, it's an interesting thing. Cause it's, uh, it's relaxing. And I, and I mean, not in a negative way. I mean, and like, that's the route you want to go to. If you just kind of want to get away and de-stress and enjoy the scenery and not have, you know, there's lots of places to camp. There's lots of places to stay. There's lots of places to see. Um, and it's just kind of, it's, it's, it's a low stress route, um, which sometimes I really, really want, you know, cause my day, my life is stressful enough sometimes during the week. So oh, yeah. I, you know, people, you know, I would just say, again, I just say everyone needs to go there just because it's so freaking iconic. And, uh, and it's worth, it's worth every mile uh, to go down there. And, I, and I'll just say, you know, you didn't pay me to say this or not, but, you know, the way you lay out the routes is really is part of the reason it was so easy, frankly, was because I followed your directions. Um, and, you know, and it just, you, you laid out the major points of interest and, and the routes. And it was a, it was a thoroughly enjoyable three days out in the desert. 
um, without any drama. Well, hey, I appreciate that plug. Let me send you that Venmo right now. 50 bucks coming at you. <laughs> you know, you know. So, um, and my yeah. hope really is I want, to t- I, want to t- I want to take the motorcycle out there next also. Um, and that's partly why I'm going to just sort of check out future um, dual sport routes. And, uh, and that's that to be a phenomenal route, especially for uh, riders on bigger bikes who aren't really ready to go out and do single track or anything like that. It's, it's a, I wouldn't even call it a Jeep trail. I, it's really more of a graded route. You know, so that's, yeah, that's, it's great. You know, it's, it's a phenomenal place. So we have an iconic overland route. It's in the Mojave desert, very peaceful, very serene. And I think there's one of the reasons that, you know, a lot of us that are working professionals have stressful jobs, stressful lives, whether it's at work, family, or a combination of both, especially this past year with COVID, um, you know, getting out into nature, whether you're mm-hmm. hiking, you're on a mountain bike, you're on a horse, you're kayaking or in a vehicle. Um, man, it, it just replenishes the soul. At least it Absolutely. does for me. Does you know, for me I don't too. really care as long as I'm out there. That's yep. kind of all that really matters to me. And yeah. That sounds 100%. like this is, and, there, and there's just something about the desert and you it know, really is. It, it's, I don't know if it's just because especially, um, in the SoCal desert and the Southwest desert, you have these expansive skies that just the sunsets and sunrises are, are really, really something else. And I think I said this during our COFA uh, conversation also, but it's a, uh, there's something spiritual about that area. I mean, there just, there just is. And whether you want to get mystical about it or not, there's just something deeply special about the desert and how it does, like you said, replenish my soul. And yeah. it, you know, it gives to me, it gives me life perspective. You know, when you see the mountains, when you come down off a 5,000 foot mountain, you're in the middle of a Joshua tree forest, you know, there's a sense of ancientness that's there that sort of gives perspective and on, on our own personal lives and sort of our own journeys in our, with our families and our homes. So that, to me, that's, um, you know, cause I work in, I do an, I work in nonprofit and I'm working with under-resourced students and um, it's uh, we deal with a lot of, tra- you know, traumatic issues that, that students and the families that we serve have. And, and those kind of trips like, like Mojave road um, is what keeps me sane and able to continue to do the job. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you think about some of those people uh, probably that you work with in those type of situations, a lot of them, um, like you said, they don't have the resources to go right. out and, and enjoy this stuff. So I would say if you have the opportunity to take somebody out, maybe that does, doesn't have the same, doesn't live oh, the same yeah. sort of uh, privilege that you have, right. Take them out there, man. You know, oh, these yeah. sort of, these sort of trips can be, uh, can be life-changing. They really can. They really can. Yeah. So I think you gave a really great pitch on the Mojave road. Um, yeah. if, if you're still curious about it, just go over to YouTube. There's a zillion videos on there. You can kind of see what you're getting into. Um, But like John said, you know, contrary to what you see and you see those big entourages, you know, maybe a dozen vehicles moving, moving out there. It is so wide and expansive out there. You can still get away from people and you can kind of uh, enjoy that desert solace and and the peacefulness that uh, we all need. Yeah. 100%. John, it's been great having you. It was great seeing you a couple weeks ago. Um, when are we going to get out on the trail again? Man, I'm I'm ready to go. So I got a couple of trips. I'm, I'm taking a motorcycle trip by myself uh, to to South Dakota in a couple of weeks. So oh, Black um, Hills, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. But I'm also going to do the you know Highway 50 and then up through Idaho yeah. Falls and through um, 
uh, one of the national parks there and drop in the bottom side of Yosemite and into the Black Hills. So I'm so really looking through, forward to that. Through Elko? Is that where? So I'm where going does Highway 50 go? So Highway 50 starts with uh, at Carson City. Yep. And, and Lonely sort of highway in America, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's five yeah. mountain ranges uh, on that road. And uh, it's super remote. And I'm so looking forward to that. I love, I love traveling on myself by myself when I can. Yeah. That's rad. Are you going to hit Jarbridge? I don't know. Let's talk about that. I don't know about Jarbridge. You, sh- you should hit Jarbridge. It says Northern Nevada. It's in, oh. like an old, old pioneer town up in the mountains. Definitely ah. hit it up. Okay. But I think we should, uh, we got to have you back on the show. I want to hear your trip out yeah. to uh, the Black Hills. That's definitely an area yeah, I've always been interested in going to. Yeah, I, I would love to come back. You know that. But I just, again, I want to thank you for all the work that you're putting into this. It's uh, You're making it, making it for people like me to get into the sport and to uh, do it sort of with, with a level of confidence, I think, that because um, the, the, the amount of research that you're doing to give us these routes is, is really phenomenal. I think everybody should you know, support you via Patreon or via, you know, however they well, can support the work that you do. Things are, things are starting to come together over here. So, you know, I think all that, that hard work, I hope is starting to pay off, yeah. starting to put yep. some video route guides together. Yep. Uh, I'm, work, I'm working on an edit for the Lost Coast four by four trail, another one for Anza Borrego. Yep. And uh, I'll have to get out on some more routes and start compiling some more stuff and more adventures and just keep it going. And let me know. I'm I'm down. I'm always down to go. I got to get on the moto sometime, man. That that would be fun. I got one my, for you. Tell me when you you're got ready. One for, okay, I'm, I might hit you up. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, John. All it's right, been brother. great having you. Um, Thank you. This Thank is Overland you. Trail Guides. Tune in out. Uh, we'll catch you next episode. And if you haven't hit that subscribe button, hit it. You can check John out. Plug yourself really quick. Big Thumpers, right? Yeah. So, you know, the the community I'm trying to develop around dual sports called Big Thumpers. Um, you can find it at uh, bigthumpers.com. It's really for, uh, I'm trying to lean in more of the dual sport side of it than the adventure bike side. Um, nothing wrong with adventure bikes, but so I'm really, there's a lot of crossover, like we talked about last time between overlanding and, and uh, in this kind of motorcycle travel also. So, I'm, sure. you know, so I'm really excited about that. So if you're interested in going on a ride, check out big thumpers uh, online. Um, and uh, we've got some trips coming up. In fact, I'm trying to take a group of motorcycles back to Mojave road in that, in September, October. Nice, so if you want to nice. jump up, jump on your bike and come along, please do. All right. All right, John, it's been great having you and uh, hope to see you on the trail soon. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. All right, buddy. Cheers. Bye. Bye.